guys and welcome to another episode of the other wrestling days podcast i'm your host david rosenberg i'm here with dustin whitehead uh, we are fresh off watching the AEW revolution pay-per-view uh, we're recording this at about midnight sunday night uh, justin just got back he drove from detroit area to chicago area back to detroit area he got home at like 4 or 5 a.m uh, slept um, him and i had some stuff to do and now we are linking up and doing this podcast so dustin how was the show and tell me about all of your travels and what it took to get there. And why did you decide to just go on the same day of the show? Well, it was about 12.30 and I was, you know, looking at my phone and I was wondering, you know, what the secondary market for, you know, maybe there are some tickets available. And I checked and found a good deal and checked, you know, the time again. And I was like, yeah, I can get there right around 5.30 or so central time. So grabbed everything, took off. It's about four hours one way. I live near mid-Michigan, so it's about about an hour, hour and a half, or hour and a half from Detroit area. So four hours there, got to the show and really enjoyed it and glad that I made that decision. As far as, uh, I mean, you and I have been to, like, I think about six AEW shows combined. I went to Bash of the Beach and Fighter Fest down here in Florida and you've been to a lot of the Chicago ones and then Double or Nothing uh, out in Las Vegas because you were there at the time, right? Um, so where does this kind of rank uh, in the four shows that you've been to, I guess, All In, All Out, Double or Nothing, uh, and now this one, Revolution? I think it's a distinct fourth, but it was still a really good, really, really good show. I think it has, says more about the other three than it does any negativity towards Revolution. Just... The moments of the other ones kind of stand out more. Um, but I, like I said, it's no diss on Revolution. I thought it was a really good show. I know you feel differently from watching uh, the those four shows you mentioned. Yeah, no, I, I thought that this one, uh, you know, AW shows, they're so... I, the thing about them is, you know, the fresher they are in your mind, probably the better they seem um, because each one... Uh, just kind of delivers on the hype 
uh, that it is. But I, I really like this one, um, and this one is probably my favorite of those four, um, and probably my favorite AEW show ever, uh, including All In, which was kind of the uh, kickoff big one. Um, right. So, yeah, I think that just, you know, getting rewarded as a fan like that, uh, watching TV week in, week out, um, and getting one pay-per-view every couple of months uh, just makes those things feel really special. So, the you know, the Cody-MJF match uh, was really awesome. I, I You know, Moxley and uh, Jericho, and we'll, we'll get to all of that. But, I you know, it was just more about uh, this really feeling like AEW has made it as a major promotion that has big pay-per-views that gets everyone in the wrestling world buzzing and you know what it's like when there's a great pay-per-view happening right so you, you kind of feel like full gear was kind of too early on for you to get that type of feeling that you got for a revolution yeah full gear was kind of like you know it was uh, okay, i thought it was kind of just eh, like really just average kind of like they had to establish stuff there was some really good stuff at the top but you know it was uh it was the first time a lot of those you know, characters and stuff had been introduced to us mm-hmm. and it's hard to hit a home run on all of those. And I think they showed that with time, uh, they can weed out some of the w- worst storylines, right? Like, um, right. you know, uh, w- whatever Brandy was doing, that's, that's changed. And, you know, her role on the show <laughs> was much better. Uh, the dark order Pretty was better. limited to the, uh, you know, pre-show, but they had, you know, th- they, they still had a role to play and they're getting over, but it's not like, uh, yeah, it's just not like, you know, like, okay, so if WWE, like, shut down for, like, two years or something and restarted, and then, like, they might deliver on their first pay-per-view, but by the second one, I can almost guarantee that, like, Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin are going to be fighting uh, for, like, cat food this time or something, so, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's just, right. you know, there's nothing rewarding about watching uh, some other promotions and stuff like that, and I thought that this was a super, like, it was just awesome. Like as a fan, you felt like, okay, cool. I paid my uh, $60, whatever the hell it was. Um, right. And you know, it was worth it. Like I, I this is what I want to do every three months because uh, this is just a thing that I'm a part of. So do you yeah. feel like blood and guts is too close. Sorry to cut you off, but no. blood and guts is only a month out. So do you feel like it's too close for us to get that story or because they're building for one main match? Do you feel like it's maybe it's fine that it's only a month? You know, I think I think that it's okay um, as long as they don't like pick it up uh, and and start doing monthly pay per views. You know, I think that mm-hmm. there are, um, you know, there are little parts of the schedule that they have to adjust and make things uh, work because they, I'm, you know, they're not obviously not just doing the four things. Uh, but you know, did they? When did they say Blood and Guts was? Like, is it on a weekend? It's March twenty fifth. So the date of that will be. Oh. So it's a Wednesday. That's a Wednesday. Yeah. So interesting. So I didn't blood, that. So I blood and guts will kind of be like bash at the beach. Um, right. So yeah, I like that they do these like mini destination things because the pay per views, um, you know, the pay per views one are about like three and a half hours, so you can stack it right. uh, top to bottom for the most part. Um, but bash at the beach, you know, I don't even remember what the big draw there was, but it was kind of right before the Jericho cruise, but. Uh, you know, just little things like that. It keeps uh, people interested and, you know, I, it'll be a big ratings thing, especially if they have something called Blood and Guts on TNT. Uh, so right. that'll be... And, you know. 
You make a good point, though, about giving these uh, bigger TV episodes names because NXT every couple months will, you know, they'll capitalize on like a day and give us really good matches, but there's no name to it. Yeah. So you can't be like, oh, at Bash at the Beach, <laughs> oh, at Blood and Guts. Yeah, you gotta no, be like, this, that episode. My mind goes back to the December 18th show, and I remember the dis- mm-hmm. I remember the date distinctly because it was like both shows had pay-per-view quality television on, you know, two hours of just great stuff right and it was like the first time i think that nxt like beat aw in the ratings it was a big moment you know like they you know it it was it was like maybe the best that we've seen the quote-unquote wednesday night wars uh so i thought that that was like you know but they didn't name it you know what i mean like it wasn't it was it was okay december december 18th because the other show is threatening us like it's you know like just blood and guts bash of the beach something cool like it's pretty easy uh, to get wrestling yeah. fans excited about things, you just have to, you know, give them normal ass. Na- I mean, fuck, this one was called AEW Revolution, and I know that uh, people. Should, it was based I mean, off they, a video package, right? Yeah, <laughs> Cody Rhodes. We are gonna start a revolution. I think, yeah, so. I, I think that clip actually, like something like that, mm-hmm. plays in our in our intro. So, um, yeah. So, so yeah, no, this was a uh, th- this this was a cool one, and um, what was the. Uh, you were in the building, so what was uh, some of the things, you know, uh, ticket ticket lines, not ticket lines, merch sale lines, and, you know, were there a lot of men and women, things like that? Um, yeah, I mean, the, con- the concession lines were super long. I don't know if that's because of the venue or not. Um, the merch lines, I'd say, for most of the uh, pre-show and everything were probably... 20, 25 yards for an individual, you know, they were to the side shot off and the arena was kind of odd. I know it's a relatively new one. I guess it's the Paul basketball's new arena, but yeah, I mean, as for people, I definitely seen a few more kids this time than I normally do. Uh, I've seen a lot of familiar faces. I talked to maybe, you know, let's say eight to 12, you know, people, just asking like how many shows they've been to and stuff like that. And a lot of them were like, just like me, the three main Chicago shows and uh, Vegas for double or nothing. So I don't know if those people were all like from the Chicago area or not, but I'm pretty sure a couple of them said they weren't. So it just makes you wonder about the diehard of the diehard fans and what they'll do to travel to go to shows that have a great build. Like, AEW Revolution. Yeah, one of the things that we know is that that uh, Chicago base, you know, they they've gone back there what four or five times now. Um, and yeah, they, maybe it's, even it's, six. Yeah, it's because they know that those people are gonna buy tickets each and every time. Uh, so I, you know, I know they sold out, um, and you know, selling out means some of the tickets are gonna be on secondary market. But there really uh, weren't a ton, and the building looked pretty full. I mean, were there? Big oh, empty pockets of sea. Yeah, all right. So I I figured they weren't uh, doing any camera tricks that you can kind of easily point out. Uh, it looked pretty 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 good there. So all in all, um, everything points to a successful show. But we'll wait till like the numbers come out. You know, we want to see how many pay per view buys that we get. Uh, one thing that tends to correlate was that uh, Google Trends uh, AEW Revolution was uh, at one point seventeenth and then sixteenth. Uh, switching spots with John Cena, 
which the number may be ironic there uh, because of the <laughs> championships and all. Um, but they, I think yeah, they seems finished, about that. I think they finished the night at about 14th on the, on the daily trends list. So, uh, somewhere between 50 and a hundred thousand searches and something like that. So who knows what that'll translate into buys, but usually if they're up there, it's a good thing, uh, for those numbers. So we'll see where that comes. Uh, it's 60 bucks a pop. I know a lot of fans considered it worth it and let's hope that a lot of fans were able to purchase it. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it's always a hell of an experience going to an AEW show. I recommend it to anyone, anyone and everyone because yeah, I don't know how to explain it, but the energy in there is just different from a typical indie show or a WWE show. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're in there with your family because everyone's laughing. It's not like Twitter where people just say negative shit all the time. You wait, real life isn't like Twitter. Yeah, I know, right? That's but crazy. Wrestling shows aren't either, so who knew? <laughs> <laughs> but no, because uh, everyone's just smiling and laughing, having a good time, cracking jokes, uh, doing punchlines. You know, just I remember. I think it was. I'll say all out, but uh, you said that energy and that family feeling. I I remember the chance of AEWs for everyone. You know and. I think it truly is, and, and I mean, <laughs> this may be sound, you know, like a soap opera or some shit, but no, like, <laughs> I just think everyone should go, and you know what it's like to be at a show, like, I know you'd recommend it, so. It's a lot of fun, dude. Um, I, I, okay, in general, I think that live wrestling is great, especially uh, if you're in a place uh, where you're allowed to have fun watching what it is you're watching um so i'm not talking about raw and smackdown because i've been to plenty uh fuck i've been to like i think two or three raw and smackdown tapings each so like maybe between like four and six shows uh television Mm -hmm. tapings between orlando and miami down here um and i I, not that they're not fun (laughs) but you can tell that like it's, it's a different energy. It's a different production. It's a different production. And that's that, not that to say this is not a WWE thing. This is a WWE television thing. Because right. when I go to – like I went to a house show uh, at the BB&T Center in Sunrise, Florida near my house, like 20 minutes from my house. Um, and it was great. There were kids and our truth came out to the ring, you know, singing and took, you know, he took a kid like that was up, you know, playing one of those answer the question games or whatever. And he like took them all the mm-hmm. way down to like get front row seats because they can afford that kind of shit. You know what I mean? It was just like, it was all fun and everyone, you know, people love the Viking Raiders and the fiend was actually there and stuff. So it was like, it was a really, it was a really fun time Dude, i know exactly what you're talking about because i've been to my fair share of raw and smackdowns over the years mm-hmm. but my favorite non-pay-per-view wwe show i went to was over the summer it was like some summer slam pre whatever tour yeah the summer slam tour it was during the time when jericho was only doing house shows mm-hmm. and he opened against kevin owens and you know actually i think the head like dean ambrose was like Headlined at John Moxley, you know, we'll get the AW in a second, but he was like one of the headline guys of that show too. And there was just a different energy in there too, but not that AEW energy. It's kind of hard to explain, but 
and, and that's, you know, but that's that's what, what you you're that's what you're talking about with the AEW is for mm-hmm. everyone. That stuff is promoted by the company. The company is all about, hey man, we want you to come here, we want you to watch our show, and we want you to have a damn good time doing it. They don't want you to like, be, you know, like they don't want you to be angry, just be, you know, for heat or whatever. They just want you to enjoy right. the television and the pay per view. You know, if you're gonna pay sixty dollars for a show, they're gonna work their ass off to make you. Uh, have a good time and enjoy it, and uh, that is just what you know. That that's what makes it a regular AEW television show, um, like a WWE live show on steroids. You know what I mean? Like it's it's because yep. not only is that atmosphere present, but it's encouraged. You know, you can be a goofy idiot, idiot and dress up like Jesus or Scooby Doo, and it pays off. You know what I mean? Not you good. Can, you can I get post... dirty looks for saying random chance or yeah, random. Yeah. Thing. Well, okay. People I, are laughing. It, <laughs> you know? to, to, to be fair, there was one guy who was saying some real sexist shit at Bash of the Beach yeah, towards him. Penelope Ford, so he could he yeah. can get out of here. And I and, there, and there's a fair share of hecklers, but all right. Anyways, my section was good. This show, I'm just gonna say that I'm sat by a lot of cool people, nice. talked yeah. to a lot of people, and had a great time. So, and, and if you want to get that, into the opening match? <laughs> Yeah, let's get in. Let's get into the actual show. All right. So if you haven't gotten it by now, Sorry. Dustin was there and I was not. Yep. So I'm gonna comment on this uh, based on what I saw on television, and then Dustin actually watched it back. I think he probably skimmed through yep. it for the most part, uh, but he'll be able to tell you kind of uh, maybe one thing we didn't notice in this match or something like that. So he's kind of our eyes on the ground, and I will be. Uh, Critical asshole as much as I can here, but I enjoyed this show, so I'm not going to be too mean today. But the uh, pre-show buy-in, whatever you want to call it, uh, they've done battle royales in the past, but they did a tag team match this time. Dark Order defeating SCU. Um, the match wasn't too much. It was really all about that angle they shot uh, at the end after Dark Order beat SCU. Uh, Colt Cabana kind of came out for the save, and everyone... Uh, cheered for him he's now all elite uh as tony khan said after the show and i think uh colt actually confirmed that on twitter yep. today um so i'll let you talk about colt and everything uh in just a second but the big angle mm-hmm. at the end was uh, you know they then the dark order ended up beating up colt and scu and then the exalted one the guy we've been waiting for for a long time came out uh, but it was really just a trick. It was Christopher Daniels, uh, and you could kind of tell because uh, commentary, Jim Ross, not Jim Ross, uh, Excalibur, Taz, uh, they were acting like, oh, my God, this is the Exalted One. Finally, he's here. We've been waiting for him. And the Dark Order was, uh, they knew something was wrong because obviously they know who their leader is. They're not a bunch of idiots. Uh, uh, so, <laughs> no, it was, you know, it was, I appreciate that. Are they that sure they know who their leader is? Well, I... I <laughs> They thought it was Marty Skrull for a while, but they're pretty confident that it's Matt Hardy at this point, right? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, if if they lose that one, it'll be it'll be rough. But ha- okay, so how did this how did this match get over in the end? Because Daniels, I, I assume, got a big pop when he ran in, cleared the ring, and stood tall, even though SCU got the loss. Yeah, I mean the match was solid. You could tell they were doing. Uh certain things to try getting the crowd involved like uh, Kazarian and Scorpio Sky. So like I said, it was it was fine for a uh a uh, buy in match. So like, I kinda enjoyed that. Uh Daniels, that was cool. Uh I, I 
I don't know the full story, but I'm sure the smart fans out there will. Back in like 99, he was supposed to be like the higher power or some shit for Vince. And that was when Vince came on TV, took off the hood and said, it was me, Austin. It was me all along. <laughs> that was supposed to be him, apparently, based yeah. off story. So anyways, the match. Good. Daniels. Good. Colt showing up. Awesome. That's how I felt. Oh, good. You? It, I, yeah, it was a buy-in match. You know what I mean? I, I wasn't yep, really paying the, attention. I was trying yeah. to get my television all set up, you know, and have it the way I wanted and, and whatnot. So uh, I didn't pay the most attention to it, but it seemed like a decent match. It didn't seem like something you had to see uh, to know what was going on. But it was definitely something that they can play, like, add to the video package, you know, when the Exalted One does finally debut. So it was a, it was a fun time, you know, in the Dark Order... Um, you know, if you think about the way that, uh, they ended the year, right? That last AEW show, I think of 2019, they finished with that terrible angle with the dark order beating the crap out of everyone, um, and standing tall. And a lot of people were upset with that. And to see them come, uh, to a point where they're like legitimately beating, uh, the SCU, the first, you know, AEW tag team championship. So it's a legitimate you know, it's a somewhat legitimate victory, and it, it, it gets them good heat, and, you know, they're they're not just hated because they're a stupid gimmick anymore. Um, they've toned down the infomercial crap, so, uh, you know, for right. what it was, I was pretty cool. There's with some it. interest in them. Yeah. Like, before there was none, so if they can keep developing that, and if Matt Hardy is their leader, like you previously said, hopefully, um, that... It could be something that's interesting. Like that's all. That's all we're asking for. No one wants to watch a dud. And when the first month of them, it was. So we'll see how they do. And then to start the main show, we had Jake Hager and Dustin Rhodes. Oh. Uh, D- Jake Jake Hager had new music, and I know uh, you like that. But I thought it was real funny because it it was like hard rap, wasn't it? Like it was. It was um, kinda, yeah. It it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty funny just to see him because I'm so used to him not talking or anything and to have it, you know, to have some verbose wordy uh, entrance music, I just think is, uh, is kind of, I don't know, paradoxical, funny, something like that. Are these too many big words? I mean, Who knows? Right. It was no, we, the people, but you know, <laughs> it wasn't, I mean, no, I, I liked it actually. I thought it added to his, his look kind of, you know, cause He's, he's some, you know, badass, you know, music kind of felt like. And that's basically what his gimmick is, is being a badass. So I thought it fit him well. And I thought the match was, it was a match. You know, they did a couple of cool things. They got the crowd uh, into it more than some other matches, I would say. And, uh, you know, Dustin kissing his wife was hilarious in the crowd. We're like, man, maybe he'll kiss his wife. And he, he did, and everyone popped and laughed like crazy. So I enjoyed the overall uh, match, and it was a good first match for Hager to get over and start whatever they got planned for him. Yeah, like you said, uh, Hager's wife, girlfriend, whatever she is, uh, they made out at the beginning of the match, and that obviously gets heat. You know, you make out with a hot blonde. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're a bad guy, you know, you're going to get booed. Uh, and then Dustin, a tight dress. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then Dustin went for the big exaggerated, I'm going to rub my makeup all over her face, uh, kiss. And I know a lot of people, uh, I, I don't know, I, a lot, some it's 2020. So there are people who are going to get upset about this. 
Um, Cry me a river. Yeah, I didn't see it as forcing yourself on a woman or anything like that. Um, it's just a gimmick, right. you know. Uh, it, it, he did it in the old gold dust way of doing things, which yeah, was kind of cool. It's like if you want to make the argument it's 2020 and that it's it's you know out of touch, and maybe it is, but I think it worked for this. You know what I mean? They they are. Right. Um, it wasn't. You know, it, it was it it wasn't like, oh, he just went up and grabbed some lady that he didn't know. Like, he knew this was. He was doing it to, you know, like. Maybe it wasn't justified. It's not supposed to be a totally black and white. Dustin's a good guy. Dustin's a guy who's going to, you know, do what it is he has to do to get to his opponent. And I guess at the end he lost. So Hager got the just desserts and he ended up with his wife anyway. So it, it was just, you know, it was just the interesting, interesting match to start things off. You know, it was their version mm-hmm. of a Haas fight. I did like that Hager... I got put over in his first match. He, get, he finally got to wrestle, uh, you know, the most action we've seen him in. It's been a while. Was, yeah. <laughs> well, all we've seen him do is the MMA fight, right, where he where he got disqualified for the dick kick, and that's something he's played into his character and whatnot because, um, yeah. you know. One like, last thing uh, I've seen after the show, Dustin's going to be tag teaming with QT Marshall. Oh, uh, yeah. They're going to be forming a tag team, so. That's what he's going to be going on to do, it looks like. And like like we said, it was, you know, good first win for Hager. And he'll probably be getting a decent push in the coming months. So, yeah. And then, so Hager hit a low blow. Hager, And then he used the sleeper and Rhodes passed out. So Dustin uh, passing out. I thought the finish was a little sloppy looking um, and kind of weird. But whatever. This match was mm-hmm. fine to me. I, I wouldn't say it was bad. I would actually say it was pretty decent. Uh, the crowd was hot enough to make it decent if it was, quote-unquote, bad. Um, so, you know, fun. I like the inner circle versus uh, Rhodes family type deal. You know, I think that the closer yeah. we get uh, to Blood and Guts, which they announced right after this, Great point. Um, the more we'll see factions solidify right you know because we know that there's the elite we know there's the inner circle we know to some degree you know there's those three-man groups like the best friends uh in orange cassidy and you know where is everything you know um the dark order could theoretically uh be in a in a war games match but i don't think that they'll do something like that you know but um right you know the more we go on the the more i like to see okay well you can go back to this on March 25th when you're doing blood and guts and go, you know, oh, and if you remember, look in the corner there, you know, uh, Dustin Rhodes is beating the holy hell out of Jake Hager, and that's him getting revenge for the match that he lost at AEW Revolution. That's the kind of shit that you can do that just easily puts You're making over. great points right now. So we don't know how they're going to set up their, their war games match and whatnot, but from the way it sounds, you, you kind of feel like it's going to be uh, – the Nightmare Family versus Inner Circle. I it, it, just from what you're saying. It maybe there's there's a lot of ways to get to it and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Absolutely. I think I think a lot of people think that it would be the elite, but I don't think it's the elite. You know, um, I, I it doesn't I, really fit. Yeah, and you know, right Jericho, now. Jer- Jericho doesn't need to uh, doesn't like go after Moxley. Yeah, he doesn't need to do the main event stuff right now. So I, I you know, I, that's a conversation we'll go to. 
um, because we're kind of spoiling the main event. But surprise, if you didn't know, John Moxley's a new uh, <laughs> champion. But no, I, I do think that you know moving forward, they have to kind of figure out their stuff, and that uh, the nightmare, uh, you know, they've they've put a lot of emphasis on that. Uh, what what did he call himself? The uh, the, the 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 pain maker posse and the nightmare uh, family or whatever. So I, you know, I think things, right. uh, things like that. There's definitely um, many many moving parts that you can like fit into those two groups. I feel like that would be uh, a lot of fun. But of course, MJF has to be involved too. So like you know, something yeah. with well, you can screw him over. Part of me wants Jericho to like not turn face, but I want him to. Like I, I want inner you're, circle. You're to, to I, I want inner circle to question why it is that they're with this guy. You know what I mean? Like, could, yeah, I, I don't understand. Like, he hasn't brought me anything, and like maybe Hager could leave with him, so he still has his muscle. And then who takes over the inner circle? It's the most dastardly guy in the company. MJF Wardlow replaces Hager as the heavy. He still got a lot of things like this. It could go on for months, um, but I think that they're. You know, the fact that we have these discussions, I think they're opening the door uh, in the right way to where something like Blood and Guts is going to be a marquee event on a Wednesday night that everyone's going to tune into. And as we know, the better the ratings are, uh, the more money they're going to get when it comes negotiation periods. So I think that all of this is a home run. But let's move on to Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara. This thing didn't start for like 15 minutes. It was like a 20, 25-minute deal. But the actual match was only five minutes long. Um, shit, I mean, they just did about everything one could do to another, right? Like, they uh, right. suicide dives, the kind of botched uh, Darby Allen suicide dive. I don't know if that was intentional or not to kind of uh, slow him down. And commentary know. did a good job covering it up, but I don't think it was intentional. So you think it was? <laughs> Maybe a, it okay, was. So you think it was? A, you think it was a full-on botch? I kind of felt it felt like it, but well, see, uh, commentary did cle- like they covered it up. You know, they said, you know, right. it, and it made me think, like, wow, Darby Allen is is the kind of guy who would put his body second. You know, like mm-hmm. I would believe that he would he would mess up a move because he just tried to shoot out of the gate so fast. You know, yeah, and then you look at uh, Sammy; he he kind of turned so. It made me like when I watched it back. It kind of made me think maybe you know it was planned, but I don't know. Like it's tough. Uh, I would probably lean towards botch, but it kind of helped the match in a way. I don't think I heard it at all. Oh no! Especially oh, for, with commentary. For sure. No, for sure it was. It it was fine, you know. And that's botches can mm-hmm. happen, especially if they are happen like like that. You know, they don't try to play right. it off like it's uh, too fake. You know, they address like. I, I you know I hate when I hate to compare everything to WWE, but I hate when I'm watching WWE and they just like they say something like, "Oh, he you know he just got a piece of that," and it's like he clearly did not get a piece of that. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, the best spot of this match was probably the three fifty centon, as Excalibur called it, the six thirty centon. God damn it! Yes, what am I dyslexic? <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yes, the, the six thirty yeah. million dollar centon on a table from uh, Sammy onto Darby, like that was pretty sick too. Dude, that thing was absolutely incredible. Uh, he, I thought he was gonna die 
I thought, uh, I, I thought, I legitimately thought at a, like at a certain point that we were not going to get a match. So when the, they actually got the bell to ring, um, I was, I was like, okay, we're actually going to get something because they were just doing so much before it. And, you know, the announcers, uh, you know, kind of, you know, what you were mentioning before is they call things in a way where you're not always sure, um, what's scripted and what isn't right. So like, I was thinking like, you know, how long is this supposed to go on? Did they miss the bell time? You know, how are they going to call an audible and stuff like that? Um, but they did get in the match and, you know, Darby Allen basically went, uh, you know, they traded a little bit and then he went wild and he hit the coffin drop, uh, for the pin. Um, and then yeah. after the match, they teased the skateboard thing. So if you haven't been watching dynamite, they've been, um, going back and forth with Darby Allen skateboard with Sammy Guevara kind of attacking each other and using it as a weapon. Uh, but Hager <laughs> grabbed Guevara and just bailed out of the ring. So another thing I, I kind of liked was that ending, grabbing him out of the ring and saving him, because uh, it shows, like, it's just a little bit of character development, right? So we can go right. back to that one yeah. time that Jake Hager saved Sammy Guevara. Now we know if they ever have, like, a tag team match, this is why they trust each other. Like, super easy stuff. He's super easy. I probably would have mentioning Hager, I probably would have flipped these two matches, but yeah, it's okay. And um, I think we're doing a disservice by not mentioning the best entrance in all of AEW, Derby Allen. The entrance is just awesome. His music, too, is just it gets you. It feels like your blood's flowing and you're, you see him with a skateboard. like. And I'm glad he, he uses that, too, as like a weapon. Like it, it adds to his character as well. And I know you tweet it every week, and it's definitely true that that dude's going to be a star, like capital star. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I, like you said, I, I say it every week, and I just think a lot of people are coming around on him, and that he, and that I think Guevara as well, uh, that this, uh, that this could be like a generational feud. You know, I think that both of them um, are perfect opposites of each other, or, you know, foils. Um, you know, I tweeted this that they could just be one of those long-term things that never really has to end. Um, you know, they can grow together as competitors and just kind of always be challenging each other um, until the end. You know what I mean? So it, yeah. it's it's real simple, easy stuff uh, that can organically be built. And when you have two young guys as talented and as over as they are, I don't see why you wouldn't run with that. So. I would imagine Dude, Sammy Guevara I agree with you and so much. Allen. I'm not trying to cut you off, but I want to add to that because I was at the venue, like like we talked about, and I was talking to a guy, and I'm like, "Dude, like, Allen, Sammy, MJF, and Orange Cassidy, like, like came off as like so much potential and stars, and I like these guys are all like under like 28. I would assume like right around that, all in their 20s, and yeah." AEW's lucky to have him. Because I, I think Darby Allen's the oldest down. one. What was that? I think Darby's the oldest one. He's like 26 or 27. Uh, yeah. Sam, Sammy's relatively young. MJF's 20. MJF's 23. I think he might have just turned 24. but he, Okay. They he, said 23 in the show. Yeah. No, he, he he's uh, – yeah, he's very young. So, um, like, all – you know, they have tons of young talent and they – you know, and they're doing they're doing well with them. I, they know what exactly what they're doing. Next match absolutely. we have. Oh, you got anything else? Nope. I was just absolutely agree with you. <laughs> the next match we had was the AEW World Tag Team Championship match. This uh, was 
my favorite match probably of the year. It might be my favorite AEW match I've ever seen. Um, it might be in the top like 10 matches, 5 matches I've ever seen ever. Uh, I just thought it was really great. I know you have different opinions. Um, you think Absolutely. it went five minutes too long? Uh, I, I I watched it back. I'd say two and a half, three. I don't know. There was a they should have ended on the finish with two minutes to go. Like I was actually like what mad finish did the they have ended on? Like what, what? Oh shit! It was Hangman hitting the uh, one wing oh, angel. No, that was the kick yeah. out. But no one expected the kick out. You didn't need it. It was 27 minutes in, great but, matches, great full finishes already, and it took me out of the match until the end. Like, okay, but it really, okay, if it took you out of the match, I'm sorry, but it didn't take anyone else out of the match. You know who, like, that that place erupted. It, it erupted. Um, and I just don't think that, you know, too many near falls. I, I know how everyone else erupted. I was actually mad. I'm like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like, <laughs> you've done all this crazy shit, can we, like take this a little serious <laughs> like I was kind of like it made me upset I'm not gonna lie I don't know why and my the reason why I'm not high in, as high in this match as you is like they did a great camera work like this is a hell of a TV match but the live experience for me my biggest pet peeve is when I tag team guys just standing on the floor looking in the ring for constant minutes and that was Kenny Omega for probably two different times he stood on the floor for over three minutes just staring watching Hangman work. I mean, sometimes you do that. Like, sometimes you're catching I, your breath. No. Sometimes you're... The Young Bucks are in there every two seconds breaking up everything, and he's just standing there. Like, it. in the live experience, like I said, I had CV match. When I watched it back, I was like, oh, 4.75 for whatever. Or 7, 4.7, yeah, 5. Four and then while I was there, like, 4 and a quarter. Yeah. That's no, what I was thinking, I... so... I, I mean, this was a full five-star match for me. It had every spot you could okay. want. I thought that the near falls in no way were gratuitous. I thought they were, like, if you ask me what kind of wrestling do you like, this is what I'd show you. And if you didn't agree that this was great, um, we just don't It was like, great. We just, yeah, no, I, I know you think it's good. Not I mean, we're yeah, not, don't we're not way context for being a little hard on it. <laughs> It was in like I can't even I don't even know how to review it because we can't list everything that they did. They did the, you know, the double V trigger, the golden trigger. They did mm-hmm. the one winged angel spot that you talked about. Matt sold his back. The I actually didn't like time. that was kicked out of it either. As like their main finish, like like they did it a little earlier. It was like, like the twenty two, twenty three minute mark. So I understood it, but I didn't like that. That was their established. They're trying to establish a tag, tag team finisher, and they're already getting kicked out of. I think they could have done the pin on the buckshot V trigger combo, but the point was having Paige hit the buckshot to Nick and hit the buckshot uh, on Matt to, you know, it it was about Hangman and they built up the story real well the entire time. Uh, You know, the Bucks. He he was the most open guy in the match. Hangman? Yeah. Of course. It was awesome. Of course. I can't believe it. Who knew giving the guy some alcohol would just make him a fucking star? Yeah, it (laughs) it was crazy, you know, when we were talking about uh, when he had that match with Jericho just a couple of months ago that, you know, was this the right call there? and whatnot. And I don't, you know, it's, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's he, a superstar. He, he, character he, he figured it development. out. <laughs> yeah, man. It was awesome. Like, I love the, uh, the moonsault power slam. That mm-hmm. was yeah one of my favorite, most memorable spots of the night. Um, 
I just uh, Matt Jackson just always stands out so goddamn much whenever Dude, I watch he, him. He sells his back. I know you were talking the other week. He does about it every time. Edge selling his neck and Champa selling his neck. Like pros, mm-hmm. but dude, Matt, Matt can, Matt can fucking sell, and Nick, he can sell it back. <laughs> people, yeah, he can sell it back. Sell Nick, Nick as well. Like people, uh, I don't think people talk. He's a more about athletic freak. Oh, he's younger. He's, yeah. I mean, I think three years. Yep. He he's what thirty right now, maybe or thirty-two, thirty-one, thirty-two, thirty, something like that. Let's find out. Yeah, uh, I'll look up Nick while you look up Matt. Or how about Matt? Will you look up Nick? Yeah, Nick Jackson is. Yeah, so Nick Jackson was born in 1989, so that was 31 years ago, and he has not turned 31 yet. So he's he's the younger one, and Matt is probably about 33. Uh, so, but like, I don't think people talk about them. Like, Nick is in his prime. You know what I mean? He's. Right. I don't want to say the better buck, but he like. I think Matt's better, but. I understand when, it. Your point. <laughs> when, yeah, no, I I mean, for like one of those go moments, you know, I think Nick Matt's does... 34, by the way. Okay. So there's just like, you can tell kind of, you know, that uh, I don't mm-hmm. think people talk about that Nick is in his, you know, physical prime right now and that he, uh, you know, maybe the tail end of it. But this is for wrestlers, especially like this is it, you know, this is when he's going to be doing his best stuff. Um, and this mm-hmm. match was just everything, you know, from character work down to timing of the spots. Uh, I think my timer had it on 30 minutes on the dot. So maybe it was off by a couple of seconds, but, uh, pretty much this was perfect to me. Um, if other people disagree, then that's fine, but this is my podcast and this is yeah. my opinion. I know. <laughs> Absolutely. But I know I give, uh, I've given JR some shit, but when the overall commentary of this match and the telling of the story of all the things that I kind of forgot about, you know, it really, I really think it was a better TV match because watching it there is like, you know, spots and it's good selling and all that. But I needed that overall story to paint that picture in my head of what, like of everything that's happened, you know? And I didn't really, I didn't, from the angle I was, I didn't, when I watched back, uh, Hangman's body language was a little different at times. And I didn't notice that while I was there because I just, every time I seen him, really, he was just like firing up and he was really into it. You could tell he's like, thank God this crowd and, you know, it's getting going. So just yeah. overall, everyone in the audience, man. everyone on, in the audience saw the tease that they did at the end, right? Where Paige kind of stood outside of the ring as Omega was saying bye to the Bucks and it looked like he might jump over and hit him with the Buckshot Lariat, but he didn't. I didn't they, catch it. Okay, all right. I so, up yeah. my angle. I, I, I was wondering. I really like. I saw it back. I'm like, oh shit! How the hell did I miss that? Because <laughs> I heard, this, like, I heard crazy. some of the crowd going whoa, but it wasn't loud enough where everyone knew what yeah. was happening. But it was clear that some people got it. But I thought that that was a real TV moment uh, that commentary put over. You know, one of the things that commentary and throughout the match, obviously the psychology of it just puts this over. But is the idea of the like, you know a group of best friends organically breaking up. Like you've, you've, you've been in a mm-hmm. group of friends, you know, everyone's been in a group of friends and you're likely not right. in that group of friends anymore because life goes on and that's just how it goes. But sometimes those breakups and those splits and stuff seem super bitter. Right. And like you say things that you don't mean and things happen. And like, this is all just such like a realistic friend breakup storyline playing out that I, you know, between four people, not just two. So it, it, it's great. 
yeah, like it was like I said, it was really good. Like if watching it live, it just I don't know, maybe I'm just like not worn out with the young bucks, but I've seen everything they could do. Hell, I seen Lucha Bros versus Young Bucks in a ladder match. <laughs> you know, Canadian destroyer off a ladder through a table. What? Yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's just like I don't know. Like it's You're not like I appreciate them less. Yeah, I definitely for those guys, and I've seen them on maybe eight to ten Ring of Honor shows, and I've seen them a lot, and I know what I'm getting, and I know what I'm getting, and I I love watching them. So I I don't know, like like I said, TV it was like almost a five for me, and live it was almost a four and a half. I don't know. So we do have to talk about the AEW Women's Championship match. This was after it. Uh, in my opinion, this was probably the worst thing on the show. Um, you guys, as a crowd, did your best to make it a good match. But both those women are green. Um, I would have liked them to build up to this more and then have like a blowaway match. And this was just not that. There were just moments that you could tell. And, of course coming behind what was one of the, you know, which was the best match of the night. I don't think that helped them at all. They've got the quote unquote death spot. Um, I, you know, yeah, it's, it definitely it, was. I, what, what can you say? Um, consistently the women's spot seems to be the low point when it comes to AEW. And you know, that's not like a super negative thing for me to say. Like, I don't think that they're, it's factual. I don't think they're terrible. I just think that they, don't have as much going for them right now as the rest do. And like, let's be honest when your tag division has the young bucks and Omega and page and your singles division has uh, <laughs> Jericho, Cody, MJF and, uh, <laughs> and John Moxley. Yeah. It's going to be tough. You know what I mean? Like, like when your options are Nyla Rose, Britt Baker, because fuck, I mean, WWE has every woman wrestler known to man. So it's just like, right. it, it's, you know, it's, People are going to get overly critical on it, but when you say that something wasn't good, it doesn't mean that, like, it'll never be good and that they, you know, shouldn't have been out there in the first place. They should have been out there. They had a match. Um, Maybe they could have waited to do this matchup, and they probably will do this matchup again. But it was just something that happened, and uh, it wasn't on the level that everything else on the show was at, and it showed. And that's going to happen until they get it right. And they should keep doing this until they get it right because they will eventually get it right. Um, yeah. I think as and you mentioned AEW show. Right. Sorry. And you mentioned that uh, the crowd was into it. I give everyone else credit watching it back because I didn't notice it and I wasn't into it. I was just kind of recovering, sitting there. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> and like on, it did translate when I watched it back and – what I noticed the most, uh, like you mentioned the inexperience and it, it really showed at the end because they kept going to the top rope and it was like, can you like not do that? Because apparently neither of you are strong enough to do whatever the hell you're trying to do. And it, and uh, I didn't really notice it when I watched back on the, uh, the non, or I watched it back. I didn't really, uh, Statlander kind of got messed up at one yeah. point. Yeah. And I didn't really see it, but when I was there live, oh, I, I noticed it. <laughs> and then they tried doing the uh, – Statlander tried doing something to her off the ropes uh, to Nyla, and it 
kind of botched, and then the finish almost botched because the beast bomb was like one second away from being she disastrous. She couldn't get her absolutely because she inside. didn't have her foot on the right side of the rope. Yeah, she was so it messed it all up. Well, she like, she originally damn. had both on the outside of the ropes, and then she like stepped over at the last second, and like I mean, right? And okay, so well, you know, benefit of the doubt here too. Uh, Chris Statlander has been dealing with the flu. Uh, for the past week, I know one of her bookings earlier this week got canceled. So, you know, things right there weren't 100%. But uh, when you're putting together a match like this, especially after the Young Bucks match, I know there's this need to do everything uh, under the sun and try to get as many pops as possible. But mm-hmm. when you have, when you continually, you know, minor, when, when there's minor botches, but they happen multiple times in a row, people just start to tune out. So I think that this um, yeah this that's match kind of what happened this match needed to be redone at the drawing board. Um, it was just they bit off more than they can chew. Uh, I, you know, again, I like both women. I, I'm a big Chris Statlander fan. I don't, I don't like the gimmick all that much, but I, I see think she's potential. got tons of potential. Yeah, exactly. She's got potential. Yeah, but I think I Nyla Nyla won me over with her promo two weeks ago. So there's a lot there. It just mm-hmm. this was not it. Not tonight. Yeah. Not to be a dick or whatever, but I think it's probably the worst pay per view or worst non dynamite match that they've had, like in AEW. So, oh, I don't. It's kind of like shitty. That. They got and put in a tough spot. Didn't I mean, they do like Alex Jabaley versus Michael Nakazawa? Or does that not count? I don't know if that counts, but you can count it if you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe. You know, maybe I'm just trying to throw out hot takes. I don't know. No, it was it was it was not good. It was it was not good. Yeah. All right, MJF, MJF, and Cody. This then I'll the be, story match. This okay. This totally was a story match, and I'll be honest, I felt disappointed. Um. Okay, it's weird. I'm gonna say this before we get going. It's the opposite. This is the opposite of the. Like uh, the Young Bucks Page Omega match, I was I still prefer that match, but I like this one more live than I did watching it back. Okay. So just to add a little context in well, there, <sighs> maybe it's, maybe it's the energy of the overall story, and you know Cody coming out always getting his cool entrance and all that, but I just felt like. It, I don't know, it translated better live. I don't know if that's something with Cody or not, because when I watch a lot of his matches uh, back or, you know, on, on Dynamite, it always translate for me. And whenever I'm there live, his, his stuff normally does. So maybe that's but that could just be because, you know, he faced Dustin Rhodes in one of the better story matches I've seen. <laughs> but, yeah, this match, they... Yeah, I don't know how to exactly word it, but I just hmm. How do you feel? I don't know. I'm kind of okay. So when I when I think when I think about Cody matches, I don't think about like wow, this is gonna blow me away uh, in the ring and whatnot. Now, obviously, that Wardlow steel cage match it had a gimmick, it had a lot kind of going for it, so it was easier to blow you away with the uh, moves. But I don't think MJF is particularly that kind of guy. You know what I mean? So Cody has to play to his strengths too. Yeah, he's definitely not. He's the new young guy, you know. So mm-hmm. it, it was about the story. It was about um, you know MJF being the bad guy, but it just felt like I don't know. 
you know, Cody broke his toe, so MJF uh, bit it. You know, he or they said Cody broke his toe leaping off the cage uh, last week. So I actually MJF, didn't know that. So uh, that, like, threw me off, and someone said that beside me, and I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So I had no idea. That's why MJF, <laughs> like, bit his toe. Obviously, Wardlow was doing stuff all night. At one point, he grabbed Brandy. Cody very seriously said, put her down. Um, but, like, Wardlow kind of didn't. Arn was behind him, and then Cody ended up kicking Arn. Uh, so, you you know, th- there was issues there. Yeah. But I, the thing about this match I thought Arn that didn't hurt. Really? Yeah, like, he was – I don't know if he was either selling his ass off like a legend or – He was selling his ass he off. Was hurt because – Man, like he kept, he was like a good five, ten minutes. Like I thought he was actually hurt. I'm like, is this dude, because the doctor was standing by him the whole time and everything. Yeah, no. And and then the part that I liked about uh, the match was the finish, right? So uh, MJF didn't really do a whole lot. Like he didn't, you know, he didn't hit a bunch of moves. He just played his character and he got the most mm-hmm. out of it. Um, and Cody, we've seen him do this before. He went for the crossroad, crossroads once. He went for the crossroads twice, but the third time he wasn't able to hit it. MJF blocked him. He pulled the dynamite uh, diamond ring out of his trunk, the forty thousand dollar ring that he won. Um, I, I think he beat Hangman. I like that. It. That means something. Yeah, yeah, it, it comes back. So he he used that, and then he got the pin. So uh, it, my problem with the finish, like I said, I like the finish, but my problem with it is that Cody seemed to have the match in hand, and maybe he didn't need that third crossroads. Uh, so it does make him look a little overzealous, but this is also a guy who has a neck tattoo. Um, so yeah. maybe he is overzealous <laughs> to some degree, um, you know, but it, uh, he got whipped by a belt 10 times. So yeah, he could be oh, we didn't talk about Cody used his, uh, Cody used his weight belt to lash MJF only twice. And, you know, MJF is just crying. I'm sorry, Cody. I'm sorry. And then he spits on him. <laughs> This is the second time we saw someone get spit on, and I, yeah, they know how to spit in AW. I was just gonna I say, see it on their Hangman hit a hell of a goober. Dude, that thing was nasty. But yeah, I know. Like you said at the beginning of this, uh, this was an absolute story match. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, they used everything in it. Uh, like I couldn't rate this lower than three and a half stars. You know what I mean? But yeah, it was just like of- it wasn't your technical sensation and it wasn't your high spot thriller it was just a good it was just a two men in a ring fake fighting telling a story so wrestling yeah pretty much like storytelling uh just the psychology of everything bringing back things that you kind of forget about but mjf makes noticeable on his entrance with the ring and using that in the finish, uh, you you know, it's gonna kind of call it a Cody match. Also, using all your outside people, you know, like it was overall, it was pretty good. And like the Cody's just, I I know we talked about it in the past, but Cody's just like the master of getting the fans involved with his energy when he comes out there. And I feel like this story's going to continue, and I'm okay with it. All right, moving on to the next match. We had Pac and Orange Cassidy, and I was – I knew like halfway through the show that this match was going to be in the slot because they had to have something to cool down between 
the MJF Cody match, uh, and the AEW Championship match. But this was not a cooldown match at all. The crowd no. was hot. Everyone wanted to see Orange Cassidy, and anytime Orange Cassidy tried, people freaked out. Um, it the was chants are hilarious, dude. I, I, I'll be honest. I don't really get Orange Cassidy. I don't think the hands in the pockets is funny. I don't think the drop kick is like you know. I mean, like all the stuff that he does. Like I feel like he could just work, and I would like him a lot better. But I can't deny that this dude has something that it's, it's the character. Dude, it's just he's over. He's over. Like people. He's a part of that four we talked about. I, but what is this dude? Like, why do people identify with not giving a fuck so much? Because sometimes it's just better to not. Give it's a just fuck. a way to have fun. Yeah. It, like it's just fun. Like this dude's doing the and you could be like ah, you know, you he gets he gets involved as a fan, and then he heats up, and everyone's like. Oh my god! And every chant you can think of, it's just—it's a different type. Of, it's that—it's the keyword of this. I think it's maybe the keyword of revolution, and it's that word I keep saying: energy. It's that energy, and it's that just character work of Orange Cassidy. I mean, freshly squeezed Excalibur gets it over on TV every time, and he has a lot of potential and maybe eventually he'll stop doing the pocket thing as much and just be a working machine. But for now developing him and before he has like a major storyline, I guess he had a one week storyline with Pac, but just once he, he just has a lot of potential. I don't know how else to put it. What do you, what do you think about Pac's end of this match? Well, I I think, I think my favorite part about Pac in this match was that he uh, he seemed to get it halfway through. Like, he yeah. was as shocked as everyone else. Like, holy shit, man. You're good. Like, you're really good, you know? Um, so it was cool, you know, and it helped me feel okay with that realization that, like, fuck, man. Like, there's no denying Orange Cassidy. Like, freshly squeezed, that's the way to go. So, you know, mm-hmm. I've been in the crowd and stuff, and I've felt it, and, you know, it, it really is, he's just a phenomenon, but, um, you know, if you can have a match with Pac and not look like a slouch compared to the man, because let's be honest, if you look at Pac, one, he looks like a chiseled <laughs> guy, and, and yeah. he's, I mean, like, have you seen his moves? Oh, well, you know, what's the thing that he does, the Black Arrow? Uh, you know, off the top rope. Yeah. Uh, that thing He's crazy. is, I mean, it's absolutely insane. The guy is, the guy is crazy. And o- Orange Cassidy, you know, when he wants to, even with his hands in his pockets, will do some crazy stuff. So my favorite part was seeing Pat kind of like come around. Um, Cause I think he, you know, I think he just was surprised that I, I don't think he'd been in like a quote unquote comedy match that got that kind of reception before. Now, if you've been to like GCW shows or indie shows, you've probably seen this kind of thing before because it was very much an indie crowd feel, but I don't know. I, I thought it was great. And you know, the ending uh, was really orange Cassidy hit the air raid crash for a near fall. And then the Lucha brothers ran in and they brawled to the back uh, with Chucky e. T or Chuck Taylor and Trent 
Um, so that they were, but you know, he was Orange Cassidy, like a like every baby face in the world, gets distracted by the other people fighting ringside and can't focus on his own match. So Pat comes in and just submits him with the brutalizer. So I thought, yeah, I kind of wish they would have uh, done it slightly different at the end. Like obviously, it made sense, you know, baby face got distracted. I kind of wish he would have hit like a move or two and then got in the submission yeah. and not tap right away. Yeah. But it was and it was like a verbal submission too. I mean, he was thrashing yeah. his legs, but he was like he, they called it real quick. So, but either way, um, this was more than I think anyone expected from Orange Cassidy and Pack. So this was a uh, this was awesome. This was this was a great moment. Yep, one hundred percent agree. AEW World Championship. John Moxley is your new AEW World Champion. He defeats Chris Jericho to win the title. Um, I think, I think people were tired. When this thing started, um, yes, and, yeah, and it, and, and, yeah. but it came back right. Like, so what? Talk me through the match. Like, as a fan in the building, what what makes you go from like tired and you know that this is going to be good, but what really got you into it? Man, that's kind of it's tough to say. I mean, for me, I wasn't. I mean, the entrances always kind of get me back in and. Jericho having the choir out there and, you know, Moxley coming through the crowd. I was fully invested right away, but for other people, I would say it was probably just when the proper use of blood, I would say, maybe. Like when Moxley got cut, like it made sense. And I would say that's probably the moment where people really got back into it. Like it, I feel like it worked a lot better. Than it did in the blood feud, coincidentally, of Cody and MJF, which is odd to say, but now that I'm thinking about it, I think the blood worked better for Moxley. Oh, yeah, we forgot to mention that MJF did a blade job, so. Yeah. Yeah. He, and was he, he was, it was odd, too. I really didn't like it. Like, I don't know. I don't think it really added to it. You don't I'm like glad it blood? wasn't Cody. No, I just, like. Maybe it was too much blood too quick. I don't but know. The, Jer- too the, 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 the Moxley cut, that one worked because he was bleeding like yeah. behind his eye patch, right? So it looked mm-hmm. like, it looked like, what did he, you know, what, what did he do? And then, um, you know, Jericho's got the stitches on his forehead, which were shoot stitches. You know, he, he, yeah. <laughs> he shoot got hurt, um, but they just stitched him up and Jer- Moxley's fucking biting on these things. And then Jericho eventually <laughs> tries to stab Moxley in the other eye. I mean, this was a blood feud, you know. So I, I yeah. you're right. The I, I didn't kid, really view it as that, but the, now you mention all the shit that they did. Yeah, it was. <laughs> but the overall match, though, uh, I thought Jericho just looked a lot better. Like not just physically, but just work wise. Like his match with Hangman. Uh, for reference, they always try going. He kept trying to get the crowd into it and trying, and it well, probably went okay, too long. Well, okay, let's be real. Moxley, Moxley is a different guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, because he, he's over. Hangman really wasn't fully True. over. So I'm just giving yeah. a comparison of like. But they did a lot. The they did a lot. They had a lot of good spots here. You know, the, obviously a bunch of stuff yeah. that I just mentioned. But they did the um. Oh man, what what, what they uh. Obviously, they had all Eye the run-ins with San- yeah, Santana and Ortiz. The big spot was the Moxley taking off his eye patch, and you know I can see you, fucker. Basically, like you know, he, yeah. he, and he got him, and that was <laughs> great. Awesome. Uh, what about you know Aubrey came in? 
or uh, Aubrey was there, but you didn't okay. like that Aubrey. Was I have a problem. I have a problem with her. Yeah. What, what, what's your she, problem? She, she's more over than anyone besides Jericho and Moxley that was involved in that match. Okay. Like, yeah. Rex shouldn't be over. I don't know like, if you know who was involved in that match, but it was Jericho, Moxley, and Aubrey. No, I'm talking about the rundowns. She was more over than Hager. She was more over than Sammy. She was more over than Proud and Powerful. Because she's stopping she was, them. I'm just saying, like, and then like her body language, she was she was feeling herself. But like, it's fine. Like I'm not I hating on her. I, I won't handle any Aubrey Aubrey bashing on my show. So that's that's, that's it's about. a fair point though that. No, she, she is. I, I noticed too it too. It. I noticed it too at Bash of the Beach. They were stuck ch- out like a sore thumb. The, people want to chant for her more than they do want to focus on the match when she's doing something. Um, so she has. I liked her ejecting everyone gimmick. I thought that was a great pop for the ref. You know what I mean? Like red right. shoes, red shoes. People love him. You know what I mean? Right. And he ignores it for the most and part. Then- so I think Aubrey's. Relatively new, young at this, and she'll get used to it and stuff, you know. But she's just enjoying the the, the stardom now. She, you know, if you, if you haven't, I'm sure you have, but I'm, if any of the listeners haven't heard, uh, you know, like her story and just kind of the rapid ascension and the, you know, she talked about, you know, like I have no hate, being, no hate for it at all. Yeah, she talked about so. being turned down from WWE and then getting the gig with uh, AEW. She's just like a cool person to root for, so. But, uh, you know, there is some danger when your ref is uh, over to the point where it affects your show. But Yeah, and she did the massive wind-up where she, like, rotated her hands, did, like, a spin, and, like, you're out of here. It's like you could just say, out. You know, you didn't have to do the Nah, that was awesome. Everyone liked that. No, I, I liked it. I'm just saying, like, it added to my overall perception of the match, or of her in that match at that point. It's like, okay, now this kind of just, it wasn't over the line. It kind of is now, but. It's, it's whatever. <laughs> All right, so Moxley took the eye patch off. He hit the paradigm shift, and he won the title. Did you expect him to win the title? And what was your reaction when he did uh, take it from Jericho? We have a new... You know, I tweeted it. Oops, sorry. <laughs> no, I tweeted my uh, predictions, and I, if you read up the follow-up tweet, I said, I love how unpredictable the show feels because I had this feeling of I could see... Pretty much anyone winning besides Scatlander and yeah, like I could have seen him maybe go with Dustin if they wanted to. I could have seen him go with Sammy if they wanted to maybe you know inner circle. You know, I could have seen him. I picked the Young Bucks, but you know I could have seen obviously Page Omega. But for this main event, even Orange Cassidy, like sorry before, like I didn't think there was really a chance, but. You know, they kind of convinced me. But, no, going into this main event, it felt like I could see this because Moxley hasn't lost a match yet. They, I don't really know how their pre-booking goes into a pay-per-view because there hasn't been that many. And we don't have that WWE vibe of like, oh, the bad guy kicked his ass the week before, so he's losing or whatever, you know. So, I just – I. I felt like there was a chance, honestly, and I lean Jericho probably like 60-40, but, you know, I think maybe you tweeted it, if not, someone else did, but someone said sometimes you just have to capitalize when the iron's hot or whatever, and they did a good job capitalizing on it with Moxley. He cut a great promo afterwards, and I think that, mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, you know, what even, yeah, what the fuck, uh, when they played his music, but he it was clear he didn't have much left else, else to say, because he... Went from I'm gonna go drink beer to I'm gonna go drink whiskey, and you got that great 
video of him actually drinking the beer as he left the arena. Um, so that was awesome. That was, yeah, man, it, it was a great pay-per-view. It was a great show. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't think I have to ask, but we did our poll and, uh, it was overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, uh, thumbs up. I think about high 80%, I think 14% split between thumbs in the middle and thumbs down 7% and 7%. So most people thought that this was a, a home run of a show. I know you agree. Uh, I'm giving it yeah. two thumbs up. Uh, just, man, Same. AW Absolutely. Revolution. Hell of a show. Uh, awesome. One more thing we got to talk about because we've been talking about it tonight and some news did just break. Um, Matt Hardy is a free agent. Uh, the, the rumors of his contract expiring on the 1st of March seem to be correct. He is currently a free agent, but he has not. He says he has not ruled out uh, returning to WWE. So... There's a YouTube video. Uh, I think his account is the Matt Hardy brand on YouTube. So check that out. Twitter, Instagram, all of those. Uh, and then Sean Rossap is where I am just getting this report uh, from. So we will see if he is indeed the leader of the Dark Order, as many have speculated, or if there is another plan in the works. Uh, but I think it's interesting that he hasn't ruled out WWE entirely especially with his brother jeff being on backstage uh this upcoming tuesday you know so there's a lot of interesting things when it comes to the hardys uh especially over the next couple weeks yeah i wouldn't mind if he was the leader of the dark order he's such a creative guy and they really since jeff got hurt and had all this shit going on they really fucked up matt (laughs) and treated him with no respect at all and it sucks that they just feel him as a tag team wrestler, basically. So we'll see how that goes for him. Uh, he would just, I think he would add to that coach uh, wrestler role really well for AEW. Uh, I think that's a part of what Colt Cabana is listed as, as a coach wrestler. And they got yeah, plenty of got like a Dustin, Dustin as well. And just that. That roster is really starting to take shape. I mean, I remember a couple months back there was a complaint that they have no big guys, and now they got Lance Hoy, Joe, <laughs> Joe Cobb, and Jeff Cobb. I'm sorry, Joe. Cobb. I don't think Jeez. Jeff Cobb is signed. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying, like they've had some big guys pop up all of a sudden, where you're like, oh wow, we got Hager now. Like you know, that was like one of the early complaints from all the little trolls saying, oh, they have no big guys. It's oh. not believable. Well, well like the roster I, now. So. Like I said, AEW is the type of company that's going to address its issues. You know what I mean? If something isn't yeah. clicking, they, they fix it. You know, they, they do yeah. – they say, what can we do to make this better, not only for the fans but for, uh, you know, our employees, for everyone involved in this process. So uh, AEW Revolution, great show. Matt Hardy, who knows what will happen. We think he might be the leader of the Dark Order. I guess you'll have to wait and see. Could be this Wednesday. Could be in several Wednesdays. Could never. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> before we head out, Justin, let the people know where they can find you on social medias and whatnot. And then we are out of here. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at dwhead 96 uh, Make sure you follow MSC Pro Wrestling for cool videos like John Moxley drinking beer. And... Uh, I'm sure you have a, a new website you'd like to plug as well along with your stuff. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, we, uh, 
we I guess we're gonna change our name to BHM Pro Wrestling pretty soon, um, because we are putting out articles on there now and whatnot. Uh, so if you haven't checked out uh, Matt Watson's article on the Fiend and everything that went uh, went down at Super Showdown, he kind of gives you uh, maybe some reasons why it's not such a bad end of the world uh, situation with Goldberg taking the Universal Championship off of the Fiend in Saudi Arabia just this past Thursday. Uh, but I'm glad we didn't have to talk about that on this show, and Matt wrote an article about it. So definitely go check that out, bhmprowrestling.com. Uh, for now, it's still at MSC Pro Wrestling on Twitter. And if you want to see my personal stuff, including uh, ratings and things like that, I break down the ratings, I write articles on the numbers, and I try to explain all this stuff for you guys so that you don't have to just stare at a graph or a chart full of numbers and go, what the fuck does this all mean? So at Dave Rosenberg, uh, you can find that at MSC Pro Wrestling in our bio. And then we will talk to you guys again next week. Thanks so much for listening.